You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In this half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, though, my 96th episode, I'm hosting a special show highlighting best practices to thrive in healthcare today. This show derived from my spring and summer speaking keynote series, and I rarely take the time to record shows about this important content, so I want to take the time this week to do just that. Some of the themes that we're going to hit on are uh, the overall consumerism of healthcare, shifting hospital, health system, and medical practice trends, insurance companies shifting into direct care delivery called pay riders, but then also hospitals and health systems going self-insured themselves and offering um, care and all the insurance processes under their one uh, one roof slash one umbrella. Also, industry shifts towards self-insured companies, basically private employers becoming self-insured companies, say more than 150, 200 employees, uh, and certainly up. Um, but also home-based care, home-based primary care, and virtual care. Uh, and then also I'll touch on a little bit on physicians implementing more risk-based contracts and where those trends are headed. So I'm going to start off with probably one of the most um, high level or really most important aspects to where healthcare is today. Uh, and that's really the evolution of the, the uh, legislation around MACRA and specifically now the regulation that we're about to see and we're about to get a final rule on the quality payment program. But um, you know, several years ago in 2015, we did away uh, with the sustained growth rate of the SGR formula and implemented this new process um, under MIPS, Merit-Based Incentive Payment Program, um, or APMs or Advanced APMs, Advanced Alternative Payment Models. Uh, and those two models are going to be prevalent here, uh, you know, for the next five to seven years, uh, at least as it relates to CMS. But as you know, a lot of the private payers follow suit with CMS, but also a lot of the commercial and private payers have already outrun CMS in this regard and really offered a lot more around bonus payments and incentive programs for increased value, increased quality, uh, improved outcomes and all that. So in some cases, CMS is catching up where a lot of the, um, the commercial plans have already gone. So they're going to go hand in hand, certainly, as we continue on. But you're about to, you know, as you hear probably my voice right now, a new QPP, or Quality Payment Program Rule, has been released by CMS. Uh, we expect it any day now, but again, by the time you hear my voice and recording the show, uh, we should all see that and be reviewing it and then, um, certainly submitting public comments back. But I'm not going to dive into macro and MIPS and APMs. We've got, gone through a lot of uh, these shows already and a lot of content's already posted on that. But I do recommend, I think it's about 67% of care providers qualify for the program today. And some of those options to, to qualify, or not just to qualify, but to be successful and stave off that 4% uh, cut um, is very simple. You know, submit one quality measure, one improvement activity, or four to five ACR, ACI advancing care information measures to avoid the negative payment adjustment of 4%. And just do those over a 90-day period, very simple, much easier than where meaningful use was or even P or PQRS was. And if you've done any of those programs in the past, meaningful use, PQRS, or other quality reporting initiatives, 
you're probably going to be very well positioned to be successful, not only to stave off that 4% cut, but to get a 1, 2, 3, or even 4% increase potentially um, come in your 2019 um, payment cycle. So really um, look forward to, uh, to what's coming out around the QPP, the Quality Payment Program. Understand how it affects you. Um, it's really going to affect all care providers in healthcare, but some earlier than others. But again, don't ignore the program. Do take a look at it. There's four options today, at least as exists today. Uh, and I think that you're going to see um, much success. Again, it's a very uh, evolved process uh, now with these programs. They're pick your pace, highly flexible. You can choose what objectives and measures that fit your specialty, your practice, your workflow. Um, and, you know, unlike meaningful use, it's not all or nothing. You can get partial credit. You can get bonus payments. Um, are all avoid, uh, available to you and can easily avoid penalties, but then certainly increase payments. And still, I don't want to scare everybody. There's a lot of, um, you know, publications around this. The At the core of MIPS and all these new changes still is fee-for-service. So really, I mean, you're not getting too far away. It's just a we're layering on bonus payments and incentive payments, but still at the core is fee-for-service. So it's, it is an evolution at a very small pace. It may sound like a lot of big change because we just do certain things certain ways, but you, don't be afraid of it. Um, certainly look at it, review it, understand how it affects your practice, uh, your strategy, and where you really where you're going. And I'll touch on that here in a moment when I go through my 10 common themes for success in healthcare today. But before I get there, uh, regarding MIPS and MACRA and APMs, I published a four-point plan uh, about four or five months ago. It's out in Becker's Hospital Review. So you can look up you know, Justin Barnes' four-point plan for MIPS success in Becker's Hospital Review. Uh, and very simply, uh, the whole thing's published out there, but I go through financial success to kind of stabilize your program, stabilize your practice, optimize revenue streams. Um, so that's the, under the caveat or the pillar of financial success. And then I cover clinical success, how to focus on documentation, population health, care coordination. Um, the third aspect is technical success. So optimize your health IT and your EHR infrastructure uh, and look for functionality enhancements that can really improve how you use the technology that you've already invested in. A lot of success is not about go buying all these new systems. It's about optimizing what you've already invested in. Certainly, if you've bought a top 10 or top 15 EHR in the industry or a top EHR for your specialty, you're probably going to do okay. So it's about doing you know, more within what you have and not spending a bunch more money in some cases. Uh, and the fourth pillar is staff success. So secure inside expertise, um, bring in whatever help that you need to augment the education and the expertise that your team has. It might be around the revenue cycle. It might be how to augment um, these quality payment programs and sign your clinical aspects or your documentation. A lot of these times you can integrate all of this. And I speak, when you've, if you've ever heard me speak, I, I get very passionate about that because, you know, there's things that you can do right inside your EHR to capture the information in your normal flow of documenting and documentation with a patient that will automatically allow you to qualify for these programs and capture the right information and then go to report on that uh, for these incentive payments. There's a lot that can be done just by going inside again inside your documentation and capturing and tracking this information. Um, and also under staff success, very importantly, is educate your staff. Involve your staff and educate them. Make sure that they understand where you're going. You've got to understand where you're going, number one, and make sure that you have a you know, say one year, two year, and three year plan, or maybe even a five year plan for your practice. Most hospitals have those types of plans, but when I visit practices and medical clinics, they don't necessarily. They may know one year out, but they really need to be looking three years out. Uh, that's really going to help you position yourself strategically and allow you to really thrive. That's what I get into these practices and help them build these plans, and obviously with hospitals too. But 
Um, a lot of hospitals have done a pretty good job. They just need some refining once in a while. So under the four-point pillars, and again, all this is under the out in my documentation in my four-point plan that you can find in Becker's Hospital Review, but financial success, clinical success, technical success, and staff success. So MACRA, very important, the, the legislation. Now you're going to see other regulation wrapped around MIPS and APMs. Please take a look at it, understand how it affects you and where you can thrive and how you can thrive. Other Capitol Hill themes coming out that people should be aware of, um, you've probably already seen this, obviously, but the administration is going to tackle big problems. Um, I've been a part, I've known Tom Price, the current Secretary of Health and Human Services, for about 17 years now. He's never shied away from tackling big issues, taking them on head on. Um, so no matter what your political affiliation is, it's always important to engage the administration. I've been, you know, worked successfully with Republicans, Democrats, part of the Bush team, part of the Obama transition team, the Obama team, and, and now um, assisting the, uh, the new administration. So I certainly recommend that you do engage, put your politics aside, engage, uh, make sure that your expertise is shared on Capitol Hill. Um, but, uh, but this administration is going gonna, is gonna to tackle the big issues, and, and I'll certainly touch on that here in a moment, but uh, certainly to opioid abuse. Uh, in the epidemic. I think that was one of the very first things that the administration and the president uh, decided to put a council together and study uh, is the opioid epidemic, and you're going to see more of that in the coming weeks and months. Obviously, the new health care bill, the AHCA, uh, we're going to see that. Uh, the Senate's right now debating that, and we should see some text here. I would say uh, in the next three to four weeks, we're going to see some language out from, uh, from the Senate, uh, and then they will look to merge it with the House language if possible. If not, we'll have a little bit longer of a road to hoe there. But, um, but nonetheless, I think you're going to see a bill by the end of the year uh, on the new, uh, new health care uh, revisions. The Chronic Care Act of 2017, a very important bill. Right now it's with the Senate, the Senate Health Committee. Uh, and they are looking at different ways to, to augment um, care, care delivery. How do we continue to evolve our health care system? Uh, not just really on the insurance side, which is the AHCA, but really looking at accountable care, a virtual care, telemedicine, telehealth. All those real important aspects to, to, I feel, things that can bend the cost curve long-term in healthcare, improve access. I do believe improve outcomes personally and, and really uh, begin, again, make those important uh, turns and bends in the cost curve. We've got to look for some new innovations and, and, uh, and support there. And I think that's what uh, you're going to start to see in the Chronic Care Act. I already mentioned uh, substance abuse, but uh, that from multiple different perspectives, but certainly the opioid epidemic is going to be a big uh, uh, target uh, this year, the administration, and next year. And I think, and very thankfully, mental health investments. I think that we've seen the toll that it takes in our communities, uh, the integrations, obviously, with drug abuse, but also just outside of drug abuse. Uh, and, uh, and this has been an epidemic for, for many, many years, and unfortunately, many decades. And I don't think our government has done a very good job of tackling mental health. Uh, and, and I do believe this administration has seen that. I believe this Congress has seen that. And I believe you're going to see more of that uh, coming up. So look for that. Um, and moving right along, though, shifting over to best practices and strategies, that's what this show is known for. I certainly love to give policy highlights and updates, uh, but um, I love to talk strategy. And if you're going to take the time, the 26 minutes or 30 minutes to listen to the show, then I certainly want you to get uh, the very most out of it and hear how to survive, how to thrive, what best practices to deploy, what best strategies to deploy um, for success. So I'm going to cover 10 common themes and strategies to be successful in healthcare today. No matter if you're a hospital, a clinic, a health system, a medical practice, um, or urgent care center, whatever you are in healthcare, whatever your health ecosystem is, these are the top 10, starting off with number one, and then I'll go through all 10, and then I'll recap them at the end as well. Um, and a lot of this content you can see at my website, justinbarnes.com. Uh, I think the very top presentation on my um, 
on my uh, content page has this presentation. But, uh, but number one, uh, most common theme and where people are focusing their effort, strategic growth. Increasing market share, service lines, looking at geography. So what does that mean? You know, it's not all about just taking on more patients. Sometimes it is. But it's also about what patients should we take on? What do we do? And, and what can we do really well? And that will allow us to hopefully build our, build our organization and, and build on our own strategic um, opportunities. And this is no different in, delf, in, in healthcare than any other business. It's just good business ethics and, and business philosophy and strategy. Find what you do and do it over and over again. Do it really well and then perfect the process. And so for strategic growth, that's the first theme here, is you want to look at, you know, are we a cardiology practice, you know, a primary care, family practice, doesn't matter, pediatrics, OBGYN, general surgery, ENT, um, orthopedics, um, gastro, whatever your specialty is, or you're, you're a small hospital, a rural hospital, a large health system, urban center, it doesn't matter. Look at what you do. Where are you guys seeing improved outcomes? Where can you see, uh, you know, reduced costs but still maintaining high quality? Whatever you do, you know, areas that you can focus, patients that you can focus on, there's, there's so many different strategies that I deploy when I walk into a hospital or a health system or a clinic and look across their service lines. I look to what can be optimized, what can be cut out. It's not about doing everything. It's about what, do we can, what can we do, how can we stabilize our organization, how can we continue to improve, and what can we build on to thrive. So that's number one where people are looking at. Again, can you increase service lines? Are there additional things that you can do? Are there additional partnerships that you can create? You know, are there different geographies that you can go into? Are there geographies that you should cut out of that are not profitable or just don't make sense for your business model? Or should you start another organization to take care of a certain community with a different business model, but still it's under your family, your family umbrella? There's lots of different things in business that we look at when we're trying to enlarge our organizations. It's not just always doing the same with what we have. It's about thinking differently. And healthcare is shifting and evolving very quickly. And I know everybody knows that that's hearing my voice right now, but, uh, but make sure you're putting it into action. So number one, strategic growth. Number two, consumer engagement, understanding consumerism. Patients are looking for convenience. Patients are looking for innovation. They have personally, in most cases, deployed innovation across every aspect of their life except for healthcare. They use technology in every piece, in their home, in their computers, in their, wall, you know, their, their phones, um, transportation, logistics, everything you know, at, at, at their own work. They use technology and innovation, but not in healthcare as much. And so they're looking for that. So just see where you can meet that patient in the middle. Give them access to their medical information. Ask them what drugs they're on. Make sure that you're capturing their information. Patients are a lot smarter than we realize they are. They know they're on 10 milligrams of lisinopril or whatever they're on. They know what they're on. They know the drugs. They can read the pill bottle. Or they can take pictures of it and post it inside their medical record. That'll help them also. When they're engaged in their health care through technology, they tend to, you look at all the stats, they tend to take care of themselves much better. Medication adherence, they stick to their care plans, they stick to the medications, which is very key because, you know, it's not just all what care providers and health systems can do here. It's about what the patients can do. How can we educate them, give them more tools for them to be successful, follow their care plans, medication adherence. So a very important aspect. Also under consumer engagement, patient satisfaction. You know, the HCAP scores, certainly in healthcare and hospitals, but also now with MIPS and MACRA and, and, Q, and, and the quality payment program in general, practices, everybody needs to understand where patient satisfaction comes in. All payments can be tied to patient satisfaction at some form or the other. In some cases, it's 5% of reimbursement. In some cases, it's 15 to 10 to 15% of reimbursement or incentive payment. So make sure patient satisfaction is key to your practice and you're, you're surveying your patients, not just word of mouth and not just what someone feels the opinion is. 
patient experience. Make sure your patients have a very good experience. Make sure, you know, whatever innovations and technology that you can roll out, you know, they can use, uh, but then also they like, and they're having a very good experience. They're going to stick with you if they do, for the most part. But I'm going to talk about other things that could shift them away. But consumer engagement, number two, uh, most common theme and best practice to focus on. Number three, physician relationships. Improve care performance and enhance provider loyalty. This is very significant to hospitals and health systems, but also it's very important to practices. The reason being is as we start to rate doctors and as we start to see what doctors provide great outcomes, improve care, you know, can reduce costs, they're optimized uh, in their efficiencies, doctors are going to become high demand. Not every doctor is the very best doctor, no matter what we think. It's just impossible on a bell, on a bell curve and a bell scale. So you want to make sure that you are a high-performing doctor, not a high-utilizer of services. And if you are high-utilizer of services, you can, you can, you, you can explain why, uh, but then also you have to have very high premium outcomes. Uh, but there's a lot of doctors and care providers, nurses as well, um, that have, you know, great results, you know, high efficiency, um, improved outcomes, uh, all that good stuff uh, that we're looking for in healthcare, obviously the value-based medicine, medicine chain. Um, and, uh, and, and they can do more with less, and, and they're efficient. Uh, and as long as you have the high quality uh, in the outcomes and the improvements, they're going to do just fine. And so that's something to keep, a, keep an eye on. But those care providers that do show those results are going to be in high demand. They're going to be taken and stolen from certain health systems. So provider loyalty and physician relationships, very, very key. Uh, and looking for those providers, obviously, that have uh, improved care performance and high performance and quality. So number four, quality and patient safety. So make sure health systems implement discipline strategies for care plans, best practices, you know, evidence-based medicine. You know, that you're going to see more and more of this. We're going to find out what works and what, what uh, offers the best results. You're going to see more of that highlighted and enforced on these care plans and the disciplines. Uh, but you want to make sure health systems have been doing this for a little while. It's not done as much on the medical practice side, the clinic side, the physician practice side. And we want to make sure that we begin to think like that. Obviously, quality and patient safety, very, very key. Um, but you're going to see that through disciplined care plans. It's not just saying, yeah, it's important. It, it's showing, showing the proof in your care plans. And then the, the success in those care plans that you followed. And then you're going to see the improved results and the output. Innovation at scale is number five. EHR usability, big data, analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and virtual care. You're going to see, and again, it's not all about buying new things. It's about optimizing what you've already invested in. Certainly, if you've already bought a top 10, top 15 EHR, it's about you know, making sure that is customized to your workflow, customized to what you need to be achieving um, uh, for your patients and for your practice and or for your hospital, obviously. Uh, but make sure that you, you are using the right technology, that you have it optimized, you have it customized to, to the plans that you're um, engaging, such as MIPS or CPC Plus or PCMH. Again, make sure your health IT infrastructure is customized to the evolving payment and care delivery model that you're choosing to engage. You're going to use big data. We're going to all need to use analytics, patient analytics, to see how our patients are doing, analytics to see how our overall care plans are improving, our financial analytics, all of this. You're going to see more innovation uh, utilized. And certainly, again, artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, very, very key to our healthcare system moving forward. Uh, and certainly virtual care. How do we engage our patients outside the four walls of our practice? How do we provide the highest quality of care outside the four walls of our practice, outside the four walls of our hospital or health system? Um, that's number five. Number six, culture and people. So you want to make sure that you have a culture value-based, uh, engaged, um, reliable. We're focused on retention 
and resilience. So, when, so going through culture and people, obviously when you build a company, I've been fortunate enough to, to be a part of building a couple, people are number one at the core of all of our success and everything that we've achieved. It's not because we're smarter than anybody else. It's because we have the right core set of people that we obviously we, we educate them, that we work as a team, we have the right culture, but that is why we were successful. Um, and, and we, whoever, you know, whatever company you're building, obviously we're talking about healthcare systems here and, and practices, value-based culture is going to be the future of healthcare. So make sure everybody understands that. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you as a hospital? What does it mean to you as a medical practice? Make sure everybody's engaged in that model, engaged in your success. Understand where the hospital health system or medical practice wants to go. Make sure we're all rowing in the same direction. Make sure we're reliable. If you don't have reliability and reliable people in your team, you got to move them along. Um, retention, you want to retain the best people and the right people, the people that are going to be rowing in the right direction and moving towards the right goals for your practice or your health system. And resilience, we're going to go through a lot of change and our change is going to happen faster and faster every single year. It's not going to get easier, but it doesn't mean we quit or move on. We have to be resilient because at the end of the day, we, you know, a lot of us have a fire in the belly and a passion for what we do. We have a passion to improve care in America and create the best, smartest healthcare system globally right here in America. And that will come, you know, through resilience. So that's number six, culture and people. Number seven, value and affordability. You know, really, and that's eye of the beholder, but know your customers. Make sure that, you know, you deploy a strategy that uh, begins to continue to increase value for your patients, value for your health ecosystem, affordability for everybody. Make sure that you're implementing best practices, that you're running efficient as possible. Um, but, uh, but walk through that and understand value and affordability for your health ecosystem. Because again, that, that depends on what you're trying to achieve, but value and affordability will help you um, every step of the way. Number eight, clinical differentiation. Now, for the most part, that, that's going to mean orthopedics, cancer, cardiovascular, neurosurgery. Those are kind of the four areas where we tend as a healthcare system to differentiate ourselves. But you can still differentiate yourselves based, no matter what your specialty is, um, based on improved outcomes. You're going to see more hospitals and practices and doctors and care providers than ever before highlighting their improved outcomes their success rates, how great they are. They're gonna to continue to differentiate themselves from other practices across the street, other practices from across the country, across the region, and that's gonna be very, very key. Marketing and telling people what you're achieving, why you are the best care providers. Number nine, financial stability. You, obviously very key, um, but again, it's number nine out of the top 10 list, so it's, it's down there a little bit, because we still have a fee-for-service market, everybody's still doing pretty good for the most part, but you gotta look at your payer mix, you got to understand how the economy overall affects you, how are patients in your community affected by the economy. Again, job increases, job losses, factories moving out, companies moving in. Um, what kind of patients are they? How can we engage those patients, bring in new patients that are right for your payer mix? You know, understanding Medicaid, is it right to take on Medicaid? Um, you know, obviously more safety blanks are going to be offered in some communities, but some communities are not. So understand how Medicaid affects you how new care models can affect you. There's a lot of, there's billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to be made in healthcare. If you engage these new care models, understand how they operate and evolve, because most of the market is not evolving with them, but the, one, the, the ones that do are the haves, and the ones that aren't engaging these new payment models are the have-nots. And so you don't, you wanna be in the haves column uh, and make sure that you're evolving with healthcare and as healthcare evolves, I promise you, you'll make a lot more money in the future uh, than you are today. There's more money being flooded into healthcare than ever before, and that's not going away. So make sure you have your fair piece of that, uh, and if you're evolving with how healthcare is evolving, then you'll be just fine. And number 10, on the most common themes and strategies, risk-bearing strategies. So make sure that you're exploring risk-bearing strategies. I think about 
25% of health systems or 30% of health systems have already started to do that in hospitals, but only 10, maybe 12% of practices, medical clinics have taken on rest bearing strategies. So please explore them. Think like an insurer as you go into these models, but you got to know your costs uh, and you got to understand your patient analytics. You just can't go at risk, you know, for something for $130 if it costs you $190, but you got to know a certain procedure costs you $190 to be able to take on um, uh, that at $130 rate if you can go at risk for that. So uh, to recap real quick, uh, number one, most common theme and strategy, strategic growth. Number two, consumer engagement. Number three, physician relationships. Number four, quality and patient safety. Number five, innovation at scale. Number six, culture and people. Number seven, value and affordability. Number eight, clinical differentiation. Number nine, financial stability. And number 10, risk-bearing strategies. Make sure that you're looking out across um, your, payments, uh, your, your payment models and understanding where you can go at risk, uh, when you can go at risk, and understand what it means to your organization to go at risk. So real quickly here, as we begin to wrap up um, our 30 minutes, I'm uh, going to focus, you know, again, highlight, focus on optimization, look for efficiencies, economies of scale. It's about doing more, well, maybe not less, but doing more with what you have. Make sure you optimize your revenue cycle. Make sure that you're collecting every nickel that's owed to you today. Make sure your payers are paying based on every single contract that you have that they're paying appropriately. 30% of contracts with payers are not paid appropriately to practices and hospitals. Go, go after that money. Do an audit. Look at that. Um, look at the main procedures. Look at the, uh, the contracts that you have and then make sure that you're paid um, appropriately. Um, other revelations and innovations that I like out there uh, as we close today, um, insurance companies offering care delivery. So you're going to start to see that. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Um, healthcare shifting quickly to the home. You're going to see home-based primary care. You're going to see more virtual care types of strategies that really managing the patient, again, outside the four walls of the practice, outside the four walls of the hospital and health system. More and more really cool innovations out there around that. And Alexa-type devices, you know, there's something that, some stuff that I'm working on right now where you walk in uh, and, uh, and you hear her working on in the background and you mention Alexa and she'll come up there and you can tell her exactly what you want to achieve. Uh, you want to go out there and uh, look for your blood pressure and so forth. So it's kind of cool. Uh, those innovations are out there. Um, but if you ever heard me speak before, I personally believe that all organizations and care providers that intentionally and deliberately engage with new payment and care delivery models and create the right partnerships will have more opportunity in the future than they have today. And I truly believe that. So I hope everybody takes a moment to, uh, to think about what they want to accomplish, where they're going with their practice, um, and that we're intentionally and deliberately looking at these new models of care, these new payment models, and that you engage them. And you engage them with the right partners because you will... Um, you will find success, I promise you. So we're at the top of our time here, but I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen today and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me uh, at HIT Advisor on Twitter and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to all your comments from the show. Uh, in addition, all of my content will be posted on my website at justinbarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week. <laughs>